Hello, everyone, and welcome to Health Law Talk presented by Shahardi Sherman Williams. Before we get started, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube linked in the description below. We hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Health All Talk, presented by Shahardi Sherman-Williams. I'm Rory Bleeman, and I'm here with Conrad Meyer, and today's topic is balanced billing. Conrad, you excited to talk about balanced billing? You, you know, it's, it's, it's probably the least, like, from a, from a, from a consumer standpoint, the, like, the least fun thing to discuss. Even from a provider standpoint, it's, it's not dry, it's just, it's, it's like, it's like one of those little, I guess things you don't you won't you know pull back the covers and you're like oh I have to look at that correct right and like you said everyone from providers to consumers we've all been to the doctor or been to the emergency room or you know had a child or a spouse had a child we've all gotten we've probably all gotten a surprise bill or attempted to be balanced billed so we've all been there no matter what side you're on it is the worst feeling in the world when you do that and at least the thing is is that we understand what that is like in other words. Like, okay, I can't wait to get the four bills I'm going to get now because I went to the facility or a hospital somewhere. But, you know, a lot of people don't know even know what that is. They don't know, understand what a balanced bill is. And, and, and they don't even understand how the process works if you go to a facility. So I thought we would start maybe discussing how that works and, and how the process works. I think, I think that's a great intro to this episode. And I think we should start with kind of giving an example. The emergency room example is a good one because, unfortunately, we've probably all been through that talking about when you go to a facility, what happens. We're going to get into what balance billing is, some changes in Louisiana, and some possible changes that are going to go forth nationwide. So federal level, right. So, Conrad, you walk into the emergency room, Mm -hmm. or you have to call an ambulance. We could discuss that as well. But you walk into the emergency room, you think you broke your leg. So what possibly happens? Okay, so – well, do I walk in the emergency room or do I call nine one one and have the ambulance come and pick let's, me up? Let's do a full example. You 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 call nine one one. Your okay. foot is so bad; it's your right foot. You can't drive yourself to the hospital. I can't drive myself. You're alone. Am I at home or am I on vacation? Let's let's go with the at home. Okay, we'll go with the at home. Okay, we won't. We all won't. these now look. All these things matter because we're talking about in network and out of network facilities. So let's just say, okay, so I'm at home. I break my my foot, my ankle, correct, and I call nine one one. Okay, so ambulance comes, picks me up, right, right. right. I go to the ER, uh, and let's just say I go to a, a, a facility that is not or you know in network mm-hmm. with my insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so, or assume that they are. We can do both examples. We can do both examples. We'll do in network and out of network. So, you want to do in network first? Let's do in network. We'll okay, do the so in network, easy one first. Okay, so in network, my hospital. You tell your ambulance driver, bring me to this hospital. I know for sure it's in. Network. It's in network. Okay, so I go to the hospital through the ambulance. I'm arriving at the ER. I'm checked out by the ER, and usually they're going to take some X-rays, right, of my foot, right, which need to be you know evaluated by an ER physician. Mm-hmm. Okay, so ambulance driver takes me, evaluated by ER mm-hmm. physician, X-rays taken by a radiology tech, which need to be read by a radiologist, mm-hmm. right? Okay. You're, now, another fact, your broken ankle is so bad that you're going to need surgery. Oh, wow. Okay, so okay, so I have immediate surgery. So let's just say now I'm going to the surgical suite, so I'm going to have an orthopedic surgeon, most likely, from, uh, from a group, let's just say a group, not a hospital employee, um, and an anesthesiologist who's going to have to put me under. Likely some blood work before. Blood work, so that's going to involve lab 
right? Right. And then also probably, a, you know, um, if let's just say it's a bone fragment, right? Right. We might have to have pathology confirmed. That's a bone fragment. So so let's just look at all the providers that just went through that process, right? Surgery goes, goes great. You get discharged. You go home. Your ankle's perfect. A month goes by. What's the – okay, so let me guess. I, I feel like there's some sort of a question coming in. How many bills am I going to get? That's the question. That's so the question. Oh, you, went, you told your ambulance driver – Bring me to X hospital. I know it's in network. So right. a month goes by. You're walking around on your newly healed ankle with plates in it and screws in it. Oh boy, everything's great. You go to your, you walk out to your mailbox with your new ankle, and I feel miserable with a new ankle. What do you get in your mailbox? Oh, I, I would think so. Let's walk through the process. I'm probably going to get a bill from the ambulance company, right? For the run, okay. The ED group who is not employed by the hospital because they're going to bill me separate. Correct. Uh, then I'm going to get a bill from the radiologist group who is not a part of the hospital. That'll be a third bill. Correct. Then I would get a bill from possibly the lab company uh, as a separate entity. So depending if it's with in-house or outhouse. Correct. Right? Uh, then I'm going to get a bill from the pathology group that will review the bone fragment to make sure that it is actual bone from my ankle. Right. Right, because they're not part of that. That's the RAPS physicians. So then I'm going to get a bill from the ortho who was not employed from his group. Yep. And then I'm finally going to get a bill from the hospital. And anesthesia. And, and, oh, I forgot. Yes, anesthesia. Yes, yes. Yep. Very good. So, And your hospital facility bill. How many bills Correct. was that? It was like six, I lost count. Like six or seven I lost bills. count. You know? But you told the ambulance company, bring you to this hospital. You think in your mind, I pay my insurance right. premiums. My employer pays some or however it may be. I pay. I'm covered. I'm covered. This is covered. I'm going. Uh, they told me this hospital is covered. I did everything right. But what if, what if, right, the ortho was not in my network? Right. How would you know that? I would have no idea. Exactly. And that's the part that I think we need to discuss with our listeners or explain to them. You thought that your hospital that you chose was in network. And you did that correct, right? That's right. You know beforehand, I can go to these hospitals, they're in network. But let's explain to our listeners the difference between a hospital being in network and then all of those services you just had not being in network or not being participating providers. So what do we commonly see? I know you and I both see this, and, and it's a, it, it turns into a numbers game, but what do you commonly see with these hospital structures in our emergency room example? Well, I think uh, it, well, I, well, I think if the facility's in network, right, I know that my facility payment will be covered by my insurance company. Correct. So I'm happy with that, right? Correct. So whatever deductible I need to pay, mm-hmm. I know that it was covered. Um, comma, but, right, now I'm having have six other bills to deal with from those other providers who may be in or were not in network, out of network. Correct. So, um, you know, if, if suddenly I'm, I'm, I'm confused, I'm like totally confused, I'm trying to figure out, wait a minute, why am I getting six bills for one service? Because they were all in the hospital when you arrived, wearing scrubs, providing services. You thought they were under the hospital umbrella. I did, and and not only that though, it's an emergent care for me. Correct. It's not elective. Correct. I didn't say, well, hey, today I'm going to take a trip to the hospital. Let me right. pick Doctor Rory to to, right. the, to read this lab or to put me under or whatever. Maybe they just showed up and and I'm an emergency. I'm an emergency. I just broke my ankle or whatever I did, Correct. and so now I feel like I had to go get taken care of, and so suddenly. Uh, I feel like I just had a gotcha moment. Correct. You follow me? A lot of people feel that way. They feel that they got me. No one told me that the the orthopedic surgeon was out of network. No one told me that the anesthesiologist wasn't part of my plan. No one told me that the lab was out of network. And this happens every day. Every day. 
to numerous people. And and I think it's important to discuss the the reasoning why it happens. So under the typical hospital system, you have employed physicians, you have independent contractor provi- or I'll say providers. So you have employed providers, you have some that are independent contract, and then you have some that are just have privileges. Correct. That just have privileges that are that have relationships with the hospital, but they're not under that hospital umbrella per se, and they might not take insurance. So they might be considered an out-of-network provider, but you have no way of knowing that as the consumer because you went to the hospital and they were there. No, I have zero way of knowing that. And now suddenly, instead of one payment I thought that was going to be made, I have to make six more or whatever, five, six, seven more. Correct. To cover all these physicians that maybe were in or providers that were either in out of network. Now, if they were in network and they submitted a bill and I submitted it to my insurance company, they should be paid. Correct. And I wouldn't have to worry about it. But again, I, I I can't sit there and say, hey, before you take me under the knife, doctor, can you tell me if you're with Blue Cross or right. can you tell me with right. Humana or Aetna or Kaiser? Right. Can you tell me that? So you get a, you get a bill and let's say it's from the surgeon and it says that they provided X Y Z CPT codes and for well, they might not know what a CPT code is. Okay, they provided these services, these services, and here is our rate. And then next to that little box, it's going to say insurance paid zero. So what likely happened is that your surgeon submitted the bill or had your insurance from the hospital, submitted the bill to your insurance, and let's use the Blue Cross example. Blue Cross said, oh, hold on, surgeon. You're not in network with us. We're not paying you anything. So you need to go collect. Depending on the plan, right? Correct. Depending on an individual's plan. That's correct. In this case, we're saying that they didn't pay Under our example – you would need to go collect from the patient, and that's unfortunately what happens. So I think that's the that's a exam a real life example of what happens, and the the reasoning is because you have a lot of these providers that are in hospital systems that are just have privileges there, or they're you know, but they're not actually in network with your insurance, right. and and it's really hard for the consumer to understand that, but it happens every day. So there are some protections in place, and there are some things that have been changing or evolving to protect the consumer. So let's jump into All right. balance billing now. Okay. So so now that we've defined it, we define that now a provider, in, in this particular case, several providers right. who are not in network right. are suddenly coming after me for my broken ankle because my insurance didn't pay them anything. Correct. Correct. So I'm going to change the facts now. You now go to the same hospital. Okay. Same exact situation. You have an employed physician that's in network with your insurance mm-hmm. okay the it, that employed physician performs a surgery right submits the bill your insurance pays a let's say you're let's say the bill's a four thousand dollar surgery bill and the insurance pays him one thousand dollars what is that surgeon going to do with that difference well, I think that's different now because because of the employed status, and if the hospital is in network, then he would also be considered in network. Then they can't balance bill me. They have to accept the one thousand dollar payment. It's and the other part of the bill has to be written off. That's part of that in network contract. Correct. Correct. So let's talk about balance billing and kind of how it's structured now, how it protects people, and what it's what its intents are to protect against. Well, I think, I think Louis, for example, Louisiana has its own 
state regulations that protect uh, and 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 basically give the the lay of the land on what what providers can do right and can't do with respect to balanced billing. So, uh, for example, in-network providers cannot balance bill a patient uh, because they're in-network. They're part of a contract. So right. That, so they're by, by, not only by state law, but also by the contract itself. Most All of the provi- uh, insurance contract, payer contracts, provide you cannot balance bill our members if you're in-network. Right. So that's a good thing. But then you know, there's some nuances in Louisiana law. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if, if, if the insurance payer... Right. In network doesn't pay the full amount under the fee schedule, so right. you know, say so they short, they slow pay, or not slow pay, short pay, or right. Then that doctor can balance bill only up to what he was contractually owed under that agreement. But how is the patient supposed to know that? They're not. They're not. And, you th- and, and do you think the balance bill is going to say, "Well, hey, patient X, John right. Doe, you know, Conrad Meyer, right. hey, you, you, I had Blue Cross was supposed to pay me a thousand dollars. They only pay me eight hundred. You owe me two hundred dollars, right?" The, they're not. And what do you think a patient's going to do? They're going to call Blue Cross and say, hey, wait a minute. I just got this. What are you talking about? Right. This is an in-network doctor. Very confusing. So very, we, very confusing. Do we want to change the example that we gave and say that now you your broken ankle was the result of an injury, a car accident? Oh, boy. Now we're really throwing a curveball. So you're in a car accident, and someone else was at fault. Mm-hmm. You go to the hospital, same example. Yeah. So... Well, I think now now that it's a PI case, it's different. So now the facility provider or what have you will go after the tortfeasor. Correct. So Correct. so instead of just going after the insurance company, they'll say, okay, you know what? Whoever caused the accident, that we're going to go after you. We're going to go file a lien against you for causing the injuries that we had to care for, and now we want to get paid. Right, and it adds a, it adds a, a totally different concept. Now, what happens if the person that provides you those services is in network and you're still in that accident and you have insurance? Well, I think that's a, that's a different that's another scenario. So, I think we're going into uh, collateral source rule mm-hmm. on a, on a PI case, and that's now changed in Correct. Louisiana. So, um. You would have to show that the care provided was directly related to the injury sustained and that you needed to be made whole, but then still the provider could forgo the insurance payment right. in lieu of collecting the bill charges for the PI case. Right, exactly. So, you know, well, I mean, do you see that that's, that's three different really good examples, but totally different scenarios. Right, right. Um, you know, and most people I don't know would see a, a PI case, but I think people would definitely see uh, an in-network provider versus out-of-network provider. Right. And we don't just have the uh, the basis for this. Just so people understand, the basis for not balanced billing on in-network providers was because Louisiana itself has a, a prompt pay law. Correct. For in-network contracted providers, that that insurers must pay them timely or face consequences. So for you know, all these special things for in network providers, the, the the state says, well, hey, if you're in network, we're giving you all these little special things for prompt pay and 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 even recourse on recoupment issues, which we're not going to get into today. Right. But for that, you can't balance bill patients. Right. And I know that the payer contracts themselves also have provisions to say if you're in network, you can't balance bill patients. But here's the here's the problem. So here's the unique problem here. So. To your example, let's say I'm going out of town 
or someone comes to New Orleans and they have an emergent condition and they go to the hospital. Same situation. They're going to get six, seven bills. Because their insurance is likely from out of state. And out of state. And, right. and the problem is, though, you're in an emergent situation. You can't control that. You've got to go to the hospital. Correct. I mean, you have to have emergency services. So a while ago, Louisiana tried to pass a bill that basically was a way to, to stop that gotcha moment. Right. Right. And it was, a, it was I call it the RAPS bill. It's mm-hmm. radiology, anesthesia, pathology, emergency services. And basically they were saying if you have to go to a non-network facility that you will have to receive emergency services that mm-hmm. you will not be able to balance bill the patient mm-hmm. for those services. It didn't pass. Right. And why do we think it didn't pass? I think this is a great segue into let's switch to the provider or the hospital side. If yes. you're a group – if you're a an ER group, you know you share ER privileges with a group or our ortho or anesthesia example. Why do we want to be able to balance bill, or why are we against all these changes to prevent these these differential billings? Well, I think from a provider standpoint, so I'm switching hats now. Sure, um, providers, I feel like they're already out of network. They're having to. Um, they're not going to get reimbursed anyway, or the, right. the, the reimbursement's so low, right? Because normally, what 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 payers would say in this situation is, well, if you're out of network, we're going to reimburse you only what we would have paid an in-network physician to do the same procedure. So they're right? essentially forcing you to to, to be to in network it. without a contract. That's correct. But here's the problem: you don't know what that in-network. Physician would have been paid because you're not in network. Correct. Anymore. And all in network physicians aren't paid the same. Right. Every provider agreement's different. Every fee schedule's different. So, so who, who's to say that that payer is saying, okay, we're going to pick the lowest guy right. or the lowest girl and we're going to pay him that fee? So they're getting paid in a very, very low amount. Mm-hmm. And, and they didn't agree to it. They, they, did, not, agreed, they, they did not sign a provider agreement with the insurance to take that rate. So, so they feel no, that no, they had right. a fee schedule. Right. They think their services are worth X. X, and they're being told, no, they're worth X minus 80%. There's no privity of contract. Correct. So there's nothing there. So, yeah. So, But what do they do then? Well, the only option they have is to go after the patient. Right. And when the patient, you know, is going to, you know, cry foul and get upset about that, which, I mean, I mean, obviously they, they will. Correct. You know, you just have to say, well, um. Call your call your insurance company patient X and, and complain to them that I'm not in network. Now, there's a whole bunch of other games we haven't talked about. We mm-hmm. haven't talked about um, payers' manipulation of the network, right? Right, because if you think about it, for example, you know the largest here in Louisiana is Blue Cross, right? It's over seventy percent. So, if you're a provider and you want to get into Blue Cross network, they could just say, okay, provider. You, we have so many orthos. Mm-hmm. We have so many, der, uh, um, you know, GI guys. Right. We have so many of those. So we're only going to pay you X percent plus Medicare. Mm-hmm. Take, take it, take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Exactly. And if you don't take it, I mean, there's no negotiation. No. If you don't take it, okay, fine. You're not in network. Right. And you miss out on this huge population pool. Seventy percent. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, hey, if you don't, I mean, I got to take it. I have no choice. Right. I've got no choice. So. Or, or if you don't take it and stay out of network, what administrative hurdles are you going to face? Trying oh, to the go- balance bill patients. I mean, you're going to be your back office is going to drive you nuts. Yeah, right. And then you and then you're you know you're going to a collections nightmare because if you think about it, 
when they are out of network, the payers, now this is from the provider standpoint, right. do not send the checks to the to the providers. They send Correct. it to the patients. Correct. So now you're calling the patient who's already mad that they've got a huge bill from you, and you're trying right. to collect more money from them. And, and who's to say that the patient hasn't taken that check and saying, hoo-hoo, I'm going to go to another vacation and spent that money? Exactly. And then you have, and then the provider who's out of network has to hire a collection company who's going to charge 30% to go. To go. Oh, it's, it's, it's a terrible situation. It, it really is. You're really it, – it's really uh, – I see, and, and I think it depends on the practice area, but you see more and more people going in network to avoid these administrative issues. Well, then, then here's another thing. Let me throw this at you because I don't think we've talked about this, and it's this. Okay. Um, what if – you're not playing by the quality assurance rules or the performance improvement rules of the payer, which they can set at arbitrarily, right? And you have o- to agree only to. spend this much time with patients. We only want you to see this. We're seeing you spending way too much time here, or you're spending too much on on therapeutics here. If you don't play ball, well, we're going to kick you out of the network. Or if you don't refer your labs to an network oh, provider. Oh, to, to, to Quest or LabCorp. Right. You, you don't mm-hmm. get to refer them to this. You must refer them to Quest. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, you're out. Yep. So or, or we're going to cut your rates. Right. We're going to cut rates. They have the ultimate authority. The payers ultimately have the ultimate authority. So what's, in this. What, what seems to be the common theme here? The payers are in control. The payers are in control. That's right. And nobody wants to hear that. You know, I mean, if you're a payer attorney, oh, we're not in control. We all we do everything. You know, it's it's everybody else but us. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, is a long time ago, um, I, I mean, I was doing a lot of this work. You know, maybe ten years ago mm-hmm. with uh, providers who were out of network, and I remember going up to the insurance commissioner um, and talking to them about why is it that the law says that. Insurance checks for out-of-network providers must go to the patients. Right. Why can't we say that payers must pay the providers? And you know how hard that was to discuss? Nobody wanted to hear it. Yeah. Nobody wanted to hear it. Yeah. Because they, they I think the concept behind that is that it's it's out-of-network, so that, that money goes to the patient, and it's at the patient's discretion to pay, which the patient's not going to want to pay. Oh, no. So the, no. the question that I get a lot from new, from new and then from, I think, as – providers go later down their their career path is most new providers coming out of you know residency fellowships starting their practice they're going to want to be in network do you agree with that absolutely and because you get that 70 percent because if you're starting a new practice let's say you're starting a you know why would you not want 70 percent of the population at least a working population correct because you're going to get a phone call or you're going to you're going to get on your intake packet we only accept these insurances, or we accept no insurance. You're cutting out a huge portion. Now, I know you've had some recent experience with this. You're getting phone calls from providers saying, I don't want to be in network anymore. Yes. And what are the reasons why you're hearing that? Um, I think the reason that 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 I'm hearing it is, is simply because they're tired of the fee schedules. That's yep. the first thing. That saying. are always going down. Always, always. You know, you get a you – get, I've uh, never seen a fee schedule go up. No, but premiums go up. Correct. So I where's mean, right? Where, where, the so, question is, where's the money going? Premiums are going up, but you know, in Obamacare, they're supposed to spend. And we, I mean, I know we're getting beyond mm-hmm. this topic here, but, okay. the, the, but the medical loss ratio. So there was a mandate on under Obamacare ACA, right, right, for a medical loss ratio, and and so that was the amount of money that a premium was supposed to be spent on right. actual care versus administrative administrative duties. So, um. 
You know, and, and, and I, I, I can see that. I think, I think what people want to see, and and even providers, is pay pay a fair fee schedule, right? Be transparent, um, and people want to say, well, if I want to go to the hospital, then I, I don't want to have six bills come to me. Now, here's an interesting thing. So, I know we're going to talk about the federal legislation yes. in just a moment, but one thing that, that we haven't, and I want to quickly just quickly mention this is this value based reimbursement. Okay. That is, they have pilot projects. Projects now, it's 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 here in a set in essence, where there's a pay per episode of care. Now we haven't. We're not going. This is beyond the, the, this, sure. this 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 uh, podcast. That's but, okay. But you know, normally when we're doing fee for service, you know, there's a different model. People say fee for service encourages overutilization. Now we're going to this value based reimbursement, right? Um, um, which is just paying for an episode of care. So, for example, using my broken ankle example, that is is a specific CPT code, correct? ICD nine, ICD ten code actually, and based on that code, the insurance, if they would have modeled the government, would pay one check, mm-hmm. and that one check would supposed to cover the facility, the ER doc, the ambulance run, the e, uh, the radiologist, the pathologist, the OR, everything, everything for that one episode of care. What's the problem with that? <laughs> All of those providers are going to be fighting for their cut of that. Well, true, right? But who's going to get the payment? Number one is it going to be if it's the facility. But since now the OR doc, the the ortho doc was never had a was not employed. He doesn't have a contract with that facility, right? So what's to say that the hospital doesn't give a a, a fair share to this to, to, to him or to the pathologist or to the right. how do you how do you divvy up that pot, right? And and, and do you think the government's telling you how to do it? No. Absolutely right, and, and if, if the government doesn't tell you how to do it, do you think the insurance company is going to say, "Well, here, here's how you divide them up"? No, and so it's going to be a lesson for the hospital, and they're going to do what we we're going to tackle that in another episode. Yes. So let's 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 okay. pivot now. So let's talk about the new federal sure. legislation that's been coming out. Yeah. So and and the, kind of the the name for it is No Surprises Act. Um, this this re- was enacted under the Consolidated Appropriations Act earlier this year, and this is not going to affect until January first, twenty twenty two. So, so I know you've read up on this. So yes. so, so so tell us what got what, is the, what is the No Surprise Act? Yes. Mean? So the big one, the big one in here that I'd like to talk about is if you have a non emergent service and you go to a in network facility, right. so. Your ankle, your ankle example. It's hurt, but you're going to schedule that surgery. So it's, el- it's elective. It's elective. So you choose an elective procedure. Right. You go to the hospital that – the same hospital in our example that's in network, but the, the surgeon that you pick is out of network. So the new rules are going into effect next year are that that doctor has to provide you written notice. They have to obtain consent explaining to them that they're non-participating or that they're not network and they have to give a copy of that consent to you. Now, the big thing about this is that the provider has to give you a air quotes, good faith estimate of charges within three days of scheduling the service. And they have to do a, an advanced EOB. So let's go back to putting on your provider hat. What is that going to do for the provider and their back office in trying to estimate what a good faith estimate of that charge is going to be. And are they going to want to do that? Because now you might go shop around. It's going to drive them crazy is what's going to do. But, but from a provider hat, right? I mean, the variables in that are so broad, right? What if you get in there and it's much more than 
you the three hour surgery you thought, a two hour, a one hour surgery you mm-hmm. thought. Now you're having a six hour surgery and you gave the patient, you know, here's my good faith estimate. Right. You know, but there's outliers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're and, and are you gonna get into a battle where, well, the doctor told Conrad that it was only gonna be one thousand dollars. You're him. absolutely gonna get into a battle. But they get in there and the surgery goes long. And so now the surgeon is having to pay anesthesia, has having to, all these different things that are going into that quote, per se, of the $1,000. Well, wait a minute. Why does the surgeon have to do that? Doesn't anesthesia now have to give their own good faith estimate of the anesthesia? That's a good or, question. Or does the pathologist have to give the good faith estimate of his review of the pathology? And and I'm going to put on the patient's hat now. So I'm a, I'm a patient no, the, and I'm yes. scheduling my elective surgery. I'm going to have to get a quote, per se, from my surgeon, from the hospital for what they're – well, not not the hospital, from anesthesia. How am I going to know uh, – that, that sounds about right. That sounds like a good quote for an ankle surgery. How do I know as a patient what, what these services are worth? But that's the point. I mean, there's no national database for a patient, right, for the patient Correct. to look up and say, hey. Correct. Well, well, technically, you can look up CPT codes for Medicare. But, I mean, right. when you go back and you could say – First off, if you even understood what that was, right. if you knew the CPT codes for that procedure, um, and then you're going to go back to a doctor and say, well, I went to this website on CMS, and they told me for this ankle that you're going to do for me on this CPT, it's only going to cost you two or $300. So that sounds like a good deal to me. And they're like, well, wait a minute, that's Medicare. We don't, that, right. you, you, you don't, you're comparing apples to oranges. And now, are you as the patient, are you going to be faced with having to negotiate a price for a surgery? For an elective surgery. For an elective surgery right. with a doctor? Or are you going to call around different doctors and say, hey, doc, what do you charge for a two hour ankle surgery? I'm comparing you with another doctor. It, it, so, wait, so let me, let me stop you right there because I think we hit a good point, right? Putting my provider hat back on. Okay. Imagine having to do all of that for an elective surgery, plus all of the documentation you have to do to file claims, all the documentation to right. appeal claims, to get paid. Right. It's. It, I think it was. It's good intentions, right? But administratively, nightmare. Yes, I think so. I mean, exactly. I, on both sides. I think. I think. I think on the consumer side, it, it's a nightmare because you don't have a database Correct. where you can compare and. And then again, and then of course, you know, if I'm a doctor, I'm gonna say, well, you know what? I don't care what that thing says. Right, right. If you want me to do it, it's gonna cost you X. And I could be wrong, but me personally, as a, I'll put on my patient hat. Mm-hmm. I choose my providers based on their reputation. So if they say it's gonna cost X amount, I'm probably just gonna stop there and say, okay, I'll, yeah. I'll go with it. I don't, I don't know if that's good or not, but I want you. So are we going to get into the issue where patients are, are shopping around looking for the lowest price, and then we're going to have providers having to say, oh, well, Dr. Conrad down the street's charging $200 less for this surgery, so. Go see Dr. Conrad. Yeah. Or do I need to adjust? Do I need to constantly well, adjust I, mine? But, but then you know what, though, Rory? I can see this happening. Like, it's going to open up Pandora's box. Yeah. And suddenly it's going to be like, well, wait a minute. You know, it's not fair. Right. You can hear that coming. You can. You know, Absolutely. Well, that's not that's not fair that this doctor is charging more. So we're not equal. It's not fair. I mean, because you know you're doing a lot. Of, you're seeing a lot of that right now in, yeah. in every day. But I, I think it's got you know what's what's that quote? All all good intentions are uh, what you know. Paid. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, anyway, I think it's got good intentions, but I think you know. I, 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 uh, I know it's, it's, it's a tough one. It's, it's going to be tough a tough one. one. And to see how this shakes out, I think yeah. we're going to see a lot of providers that. You know, they're going to try to comply with it, but I, I think that it's 
it, like you said, administratively, it's going to be a nightmare. Good intentions, good concept, but no, 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 don't get me wrong. Let me say this. I mean, I think I think patients want transparency. Correct. I mean, right. would you, would it be nice if you went to an office? And I've seen this in practices. And we have an episode planned on this on hospital pricing and transparency yes, rules. Yes, we do. And and I think that's going to come up. And I think it's a good topic because I have seen some concierge practices, for example, that you walk in yep. on their website. Here's here are the costs. Right. No, no hidden agendas. No nothing. If you want this, this now, amazingly, it's a lot lower than their bill charges. But but that's the cost. That's the cost. Correct. And it's very cut and dry. Yep. 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 So I mean, I think I think you it's going to be evolving. I think this is. I think balanced billing is going to continue to evolve. It seems like here in Louisiana, every year there's a House bill or a Senate bill, something that's coming out trying to to tweak this. I think it, it's getting close, but. You've got a lot of dueling agendas or dueling, you know, issues involved. You've got hospitals that, that's you know, some hospitals want this. You've got big provider groups that don't want this. You've got patient advocacy advocacy groups that do want this. So, it really depends on on who you know on, on what hat and and who who and are you who's av- pushing right. that agenda, rep, that right. rep or that senator to introduce it. So that's true. It, it it's 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 an evolving issue. The goal. I think the the one takeaway that we could both agree on is that balanced billing, the goal is to protect the patients from getting these surprise bills. And I think that's a good goal. But I think that there's so many layers behind that and so many moving parts and parties that it's hard to just accomplish that. It's really hard to accomplish that and to outline rules to do that to think of every scenario because there's so many scenarios with this. I think Agreed. I think that's what the, the legislators is constantly struggling with and constantly trying to tweak. Well, I mean, I guess we're going to have to see, you know, yep. what happens next. And, and, of course, if we if we do get some legislative proposals here in Louisiana, I'm sure we'll bring it to everyone's attention on a good yep. podcast. So, yes, I agree. I agree. Thank you very much, Rory. I appreciate that. Um I think those are final thoughts for the for the balanced billing. Hopefully, hopefully neither one you or I, you know, get get another balanced bill. Right. Um, hopefully, we're done with those. I know. No more. Mm-hmm. No more. No more surprises. No, no more surprises. Alrighty. Thank you for listening to Health Law Talk presented by Shahardi Sherman Williams. For more information or to contact us, please visit our website linked in the description below. Also, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube linked in the description below. Thank you for listening.